Hi, my name is Caleb Tedder. Caleb, C-A-L-E-B. I guess there's something you may want to write that down on if you're a kid that I saw. Are you ready, kids? Jesus, pray, love, Bible. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, the kids have a thing where you can mark the different times I say that, so you get ready. I just nailed it for you. Uh, yeah, my name is Caleb Tedder. I'm one of the uh, leaders here at Northeast. Um, I get the privilege today of coming up and just sharing some things with you guys. Uh, and what's really interesting is what we're going to talk about today is we just sang about Spirit Lead Me uh, into the deep waters. And it's an amazing thing to ask of God, but the deep waters are dangerous and they're scary and they're hard. And the shallow is really comfortable and easy. And I think that's, that's the challenge God has for us this morning is when we step out there, what's it like? And what's our heart posture like in that? So we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. Um, but first, I have some, the best news I could possibly present today. If there's nothing else you hear today, I don't care because this is the greatest thing you're going to hear. I don't know if the slide's working, Matt. If it is, please put, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. You, we, like, for real, if you know anything about this, I'll explain it. I'm going to pull up a text I got from Krista today. So our dear, dear friends, John and Krista Agler, last week came up and shared with you all that they've been asked to adopt this beautiful girl that they have named Simone Gabrielle Agler. And she, yesterday, went to their house and spent it with them. And we got a brief chance to talk with John, and he was, I just felt like he was beaming. Like, it's a, there's a lot going on in their lives right now, right? There's a lot of things that are exhausting and tiring, and it's a hard transition. But, man, they just had so much peace, and you could just see in John, like, just the love radiating. It, I can't look at you guys right now. Oh, oh yeah, it is, it is unbelievable. Um, I'm going to read this from Krista. She asked me to share this. She said, yesterday, Simone Gabrielle joined our family. It has been an unexpectedly joyful first day. Thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting us. We see Jesus in his provision through his people, in his active care for those in need, in his gracious presence with us, in peace that passes understanding. The words from an old hymn are on my mind and spirit this morning. I share them with you in worship of our God. Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. When, this, when with his love he befriend thee. Praise to the Lord, O let all that is in me adore him. All that hath life and breath come now and praises him. Let the amen sound from his people again. Gladly forever adore him. They, we've gotten a couple times where we've gotten to talk with them throughout this week. And it is just over and over. They cannot express how grateful they've been to this church body for meeting the needs. There have been a lot of needs that have popped up as they prepare for this. And the, like our body, I've, I just want to say thank you. And I'm so proud to be a part of this body because our body has really just wrapped their arms around them. And they've said it's been such an easy process to go through this. Again, there's a lot of hardships they're going to face. But leading into it, they said all the needs were just taken care of. And just an example is last week, they were presented. And at that point, it was, hey, let's, like, can people donate and support this? And we just offered it up. And I think Nick gave out a challenge that if we didn't take care of it, he was going to go to other people <laughs> in Nick fashion. 
And what's amazing is between now and last week, we have raised over $22,000 for them. In the first day, there was $10,000 raised. I just went on the next morning, and I get the privilege to be able to see like these numbers sometimes, and I looked down, and I was like, just kind of curious, and then it did this little thing, green thing where it like refreshes, and the number pops up, and it was 10000 I was like, are you kidding me? It was like Monday morning, and I just was floored that we already had 10000 and just every day this week, it's just been going up and up, and what I want to throw out to you is, I know the question is, okay, well, do they still need, and yes, there is still a need for more. If you have felt like, man, I really want to give, still, please give. It's the Adoption Assistance Fund. When you go to the Northeast Gift page, you can do a drop down, and it'll be the Adoption Assistance. All of that is going to the Aglers. And then what they have said is if at any point more money is raised than they need, they want that money to stay in that fund because they really hope that through this, one of the things they'll say over and over is they want people in here to know if you've had any stirring for adoption, do it. Like, don't let the money hold you back. Like, it has just come in for them. So if you have ever had any th- have thought of like, man, I feel like adoption's been on our heart, but the amount of money just feels overwhelming. The Aglers want you to know, never let that stop you. It's God's money. He will bless it. And they want this fund to start building to bless any future adoptions that can take place in here. And we would love to see that this community just continues on with this as much as you guys hear from God and follow. So that's, that's the best part of this morning for me. Oh, unbelievable. Okay, a little bit of a weird transition because we're going into Lent season, which Lent is a season of introspection, reflection, um, as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday. So these next six weeks, um, we are going to be going through a series called In Thought, Word, and Deed. That is today's title, if you are writing that down on your sheet. Um, Lent is a season set aside for reflection and repentance in preparation for celebrating the resurrection of King Jesus. With that in mind, we will be praying the prayer of confession together like we did today already during each gathering. And then we're going to use 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 as a lens through which to examine our thoughts, words, and deeds. The hope for each of us is that we will examine ourselves and repent of any ways we are not living according to the kingdom vision of love and praise God for any ways that we are. And in there, there's this word, repent. And what I want to do is I want to invite everyone, go ahead, stand up. If you're able. And then if you're able, turn around and face the back. And then I'm going to say, repent. And I want you to turn and face me. So repent. That's repentance. All right, you can have a seat. Okay, we got kids here, so we're going to keep kids a little bit engaged as much as I can. So repentance just means do a 180. It means to turn away from what you're doing and move in the other direction. So if I'm doing this and it's not right, I need to do a 180, and that usually means facing God, right? And I need to move towards God and stop doing what I'm doing. So what we want to do is examine ourselves in this and figure out, is there anything we are doing that we need to repent of? Do we need to do a 180 and move in the other direction? So if you will, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. These will be the, this is the passage we're going to go through the next six weeks. 
And what we're gonna do is each person that comes up is just gonna take a portion of it. Today I have love is patient, love is kind. So let's go ahead and read this together. I'll, I'll read it over us. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And so today, I'm going to talk about love is patient, love is kind. But as I was preparing this week, I was, you know, you research what's going on in this passage. And what's happening here is Paul was writing to the Corinthians because in their gathering, they were having a lot of things happen where the spirit was stirring up things and they were standing up and doing it. And it was causing kind of this chaotic setting on a gathering. And for new people, it was like really weird. They didn't know what was going on. There was no clear, like this person speaking at this time. And so Paul's writing them and telling them, hey, like the things that are happening are okay things, but there's a better way. And if you pursue love in your gathering, love will actually help you to care about others more than yourselves. If you get a word or you get some kind of prophetic thing and you feel like you need to stand up, well, is that for you or is that for others? And so he tells them, filter everything through love because love will then allow you to care about others and that will help bring order to what's going on during those gatherings. And so this really is him explaining how we treat each other with love. And so it has to do with the way we're interacting with each other. But when I was praying about it, I had, I don't know. So when God speaks to me, I've said this before in this gathering, so you may have heard this. When God speaks to me, what happens in my mind is my mind starts racing. This is the way he often is telling me things. I'll get an idea and my mind just races with that idea and I can't stop. Like it feels like a flow of ideas just coming at me. And so I was praying about it and then God showed, like brought to my mind a story that is my wife's story. And my mind just started racing with this. And I thought, that's what I got to talk about. And it has to do with our patience towards God in love. And it's different than what I was originally thinking. And then I later in the day went and I was like, that doesn't feel right. Like, I just don't want to get up there and tell a story about my wife. And I don't know. I don't want to make it about us or anything. And then the next morning, I was still like, man, I don't know. I really think, like, that's how God speaks to me. I really don't know if that's what I want to talk about. And so later in the day, I talked to my wife and I told her this. I said, what do you think about this idea of me sharing a story about you? I don't know if I really want to. And I was like really trying to like guard, like, I don't know if I really want to do this. I think God might've said it, but I might've just been thinking about it. And she said, that's really interesting because earlier this week, I felt like God told me you were either going to interview me or tell a story about me. I was like, okay. So <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry, I should not put it that way. It actually in the moment was like, like praise God that he works that way. That is actually the response is it, he, in that moment, just provided us real clarity and direction. And he does that. And I know for some people, it's like, that can feel weird, but that's the God we know. That's the God we love. He speaks to us that way and we see him move and we follow. So that's what I'm doing today. I'm focusing in on love as patient because that's what I felt like God was saying. This is what I need you to say this morning. So patient, patient means long suffering deferring anger. It's this idea of enduring through hardship. So when you're facing hardship, 
you can endure through it. It's long suffering. And so when, uh, let me, let me, so starting the story about my wife, this is what God brought to my mind. When my wife and I, we met our freshman year of college, which was 20 years ago. And uh, when I met my wife, she, uh, she had this like energy vibrancy that was crazy. A lot of energy. She was like valedictorian of her high school. She was involved in all the clubs, everything she could be, and was just like, go, 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 overachiever, don't say no to anything, do everything you can possibly do, just all the time, lots of energy, wow, like, you know, and it was one of the first things I was like, when I really started to notice her, I was like, whoa, she's like a ton of fun. She's, she's got tons of energy, she's just bubbly all the time. And so that was my wife's personality in 2003. That's what she grew up with. That was who I got introduced to her as. And we started to develop this relationship. And that was like our relationship was just lots of energy. We were doing things. We were having a lot of fun. Well, come sophomore year of college, I transferred to another school. So I go to drop her off at this school. And we start out. Uh, part of what we did is when we dropped her off, we just took time to pray for the year. And so we sat down. We were sitting at this specific spot in college that, you know, I'll never forget and we're praying over her year, and afterward, it's either, you know, like, you try to remember exactly what's going on, but either while we were praying or when we were done, I noticed something was different, and I look up at her, and she just is kind of, like, visibly shaken, and I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? And she said, I, I don't know what just happened, but I forgot who you were, I forgot where I was, and I didn't know what we were doing, and I'm, like, 20 8, 19? Who knows how old I was? I, I'm like, what? You know, I'm thinking like, oh, this is probably not a big deal. And she felt very shaken by it. And so we're like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And uh, we talked about it. We might have prayed about it a little more. And it, my friend, I grew up in Fort Wayne. My friend from Fort Wayne called me. And at that time, social media didn't really exist. Facebook was just starting. And my phone definitely had no texting capabilities. I don't think it was even a thing yet. Uh, so I had not alerted him to anything. This was like in the moment. And he calls me and he says, like, what's going on? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I, something is going on. What's happening with you guys? And so I explained to him what happened with Cassie, my wife, my girlfriend at the time. And he's like, okay. All right. And in retrospect, I don't know if in that moment, or the next morning, he told me this. But what had been going on in his life at that time is at night, during the summer, he had been hearing words from God, and he didn't know at first what it was. He'd just been getting a word in his mind at night. And he'd wake up and he'd write it down. And during the day, it would come up where he'd think, I think I'm supposed to tell this person that word. So he'd tell this person. And then he started to notice when he did that, there was something going on with the Spirit, where those people were like, why did you tell me that word? Like, how did you know I needed to hear that? And so what he started to see was God was giving him these words at night, and they were for very specific people in the next day or two. And so he was writing this down. And what he told us was, I have a word that I got that I believe is for you, and it's patience. And so we're sophomores in college. Life is pretty easy at this point. We've faced some hardships in our lives, but nothing nobody else has had to face. And... Something happened to her, and we're like, you know, this could be nothing. But then he comes and says, patience. Patience is the word for you guys that you need to hear. And then after that, 
everything changed for Cassie. She stayed at that college for her sophomore year, and what happened was her health just dropped. She could not get out of bed. She didn't know a lot of times what was going on. She'd have to have people help her brush her teeth to shower. She was starting to, things weren't making sense in her head. Reality didn't, didn't always make sense for her. She would sometimes think of a reality that wasn't actually what was going on. And things just went down pretty fast. And it got really confusing. She was seeking help from people. And a lot of times what people would offer as help was not helpful. Uh, I think they had good intentions, but a lot of times there was really wrong diagnosis on what was going on. And it was really confusing. Confusing. We had people come up to her and try to pray over her for quick healing, which God does, right? We've seen that in our midst. And their hearts were right in it. But sometimes I got to be present for those. And it was real quickly, it felt like the spirit was just like, this is not what I told you. Like, patience is not quick. And we had to ask the people, like, please don't pray for quick healing. That's not what God has in this situation. Like, this is a long suffering for some reason. And so we had to learn to, like, sit in it and rest in that and have sorrow in it. Um, We would have uh, lots of times where we'd be talking. I was in Indiana. She was in Virginia. And we would talk on the phone. And it would be, like, three hours. And sometimes we'd say, like, ten words. And it would just be a lot of quiet. It'd be a lot of crying. It'd be a lot of questioning everything. Who's God? Why does God do this? What is happening? I don't even know if I understand why, who God is anymore. And a lot of sorrow. And I would go visit her in person. Um, and before when we'd hang out, we'd always do stuff and have a lot of fun. And now hanging out with my girlfriend at the time turned into... Uh, we would often grab something to sit on. We'd go get away from everyone because we just needed to be away from people. And we'd sit, and I was playing guitar at the time, so I'd play guitar and sing for her and read scripture, and she'd just sit there and listen. And she didn't say much. We'd sit for hours and hours, and um, it was really quiet, and it was really sad. And we, we, we were hurting a lot. Um, it was hard. And so to... To offer a little bit of a practice in this, Lou, Drew, can you guys help me out? Can you guys go up and down and hand out, a, get everybody a piece of paper? Thanks. Are you you want to help up here? Oh, am I choppy? Okay. Do you guys want to switch to the handheld? I told Matt I wanted a handheld anyways, so this works out. This thing is really interesting for me. I'm going to turn it off too. Okay, they're going to uh, hand out a piece of paper to you that we'll, we'll practice something in a little bit. The kids, if kids can get a piece of paper too, that'd be awesome. I really want the kids to be able to try this. So the, the Israelites have a pra- had a practice of when things were really hard and there was sorrow and there was grief, they would rip their clothes. And it was a physical way of showing that they were mourning and they were sorrowful and there was anguish or there was dismay at something. And so what we're going to do, this is like, it's a little silly, but it's okay, is I want us to practice this by just ripping paper in half. And it, for one thing as a parent, this helps give the kids a tangible way of seeing this kind of sorrow and this hurt. And sometimes I know it's fun to rip paper, so I get that. It might be a little fun, but... 
what we're doing here is kids. Kids, can you listen to me for a second? There's things, thank you. There's things in life that are really hard, right? You've had things probably that have made you really sad. Sometimes it happens at school. Sometimes it happens with family, with friends, with brothers, sisters. And it's okay to feel sad. Feeling sad when my wife and I were sad, that's okay. God doesn't look at you and say, you need to stop being sad. God was sad. Jesus, when he was on this earth, was sad at times. It's okay to be sad, and it's okay to feel that hurt when things are hard. And one of the ways we can just practice feeling this hurt is what I want you to do, if you have it, is take that piece of paper, and if it gets to you at a different point, you can do this. Take it and kind of hold it in the middle if, you're, if you think you're really strong. Otherwise, you can just rip it. But if you're really strong, take it in the middle and just rip it. Now, I know ripping paper's fun, so there's a little bit of a, a bad metaphor in here. But here's the thing. People used to, just like you ripped their pa- your paper, people used to rip their clothes when they were really sad. Because there's so much sadness sometimes that they just had to rip their clothes because they didn't know what else to do. Just like you ripped that paper. So hopefully that was a way for you to, to connect with that a little bit. All right, so this begs the question of... Um, why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? This is like a classic question, right? Why would God allow this to happen to my wife who deeply loved him, was ready to sacrifice anything for him? If you talked with her at the time, it was, we're moving overseas, we're being missionary, we're doing whatever we need to do, that's where God's leading us. And yet this tragedy feels like happens in her life. Why does that happen? Matt, you can go to the next slide. Is God punishing us or ignoring us? If you follow Jesus, the answer is no. Look at this, John 16, This is Jesus. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, you don't need much else than that. Jesus acknowledges it. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's not easy. Things are hard. It's a fallen world. There is consequences from a fallen world. He does not promise that things are always going to be going well and easy for us. Matthew 16, 24, this isn't on the slide, but I'll just read this. It says, Jesus is telling his disciples, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is why Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, really count the cost. Because I'm not welcoming you into health, wealth, and happiness. I'm welcoming you into a life that picks up its cross and follows me. The cross is a death sentence. It's a, it's a tragedy. It's the worst form of torture that they knew at that time. And that's what he's saying. And if you know the story of Jesus, and I'm not going to go into detail because, you know. But if you know the story, when he was asked to pick up his cross, he was in terrible shape, right? It was not a strong man just picking up a cross and dragging this. He was on the brink of death and then asked to pick up his cross. And that's what he's telling us. Count the cost. Because I'm not promising you health, wealth, and happiness. But there are promises we can have in this. Because the good, there's good news in this. 
Um, I think, no, I don't have this one on the slides. Um, he is here to help us handle it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And temptation is a word that can be temptations, that things that you'll face. It can be trials of many kinds. So the things in, the things in your life that are going to cause hardship, those things God's saying, I will not let you be taken beyond what you can bear. So kids, I want you to, and adults, you can do this too if you're so willing. Go ahead, put your hands out like this. And then hold them out really strong so if I was going to put something really heavy, you'd be able to hold it up. And now parents, what I want you to do is go ahead and try and push your kids' hands down, but don't push them beyond what they can handle. Push them down so they feel force, but don't overpower them. Kids, this is the way God trusts us. He gives us things that are hard. It's hard to hold against your parents' hands, right? It hurts. If you do it too long, your arms are going to be really sore and you'll be like, I can't do it. God gives you things that are going to be hard to handle. It's going to be hard to hold up. But guess what? He's never going to push you beyond what you can handle. He's never going to break your hands down. And if it gets too hard, what do you think God does? He comes right alongside up underneath you and says, I got you. You can't handle it? I can put my hand right under you, and I have you. He says, he will not give us more than we can handle. John 16, this same passage. I think you now you can go to the next one. Yep. If you zoom out and look at the whole verse, because I just gave you a little snippet. He's saying, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The things Jesus gives you to handle that are really hard and feel heavy, guess what? He's more powerful than them. He's overcome them. He's got them in his hand. He can handle them. You will never be asked to do more than you can handle with God. It will be hard. It will hurt. It will be heavy, but he has you. So then you, I, you should be asking the question, if this is more new to you, okay, so are you telling me that things are going to be really hard, really heavy, and I, am I just going to be miserable? Like, is this just going to be something I'm going to hold and be like, oh, man, this is tough? No. Jesus tells us that we have the fruit, that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who produces fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, these are the things that should be in your life, even during the hardship and the trial. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Things will be hard. There is a cross. But you have the Holy Spirit of God who sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he inside of you is bringing his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things should be evident in you when you're walking through those things. Yes, we're humans. It ebbs and flows. We struggle. We deny those sometimes in our own lives because we just want to wrestle with God. That's part of it. But those things are a blessing from God that can be evident, and we can cry out to him to make those evident, more evident in our lives. So my wife, who was asked to be patient, both of us, I think, to ask, excuse me, to be patient during all this, 
she had to drop out of college, valedictorian of high school, had to drop out of college, go back home, sophomore year. Um, she lived in New Mexico, so she, and again, I was in Indiana, so we were really far away from each other, still talking on the phone. And what happened was a three-year process of slowly getting better. Um, we ended up getting married in 2007. So between 2004 and 2007, it was just a slow, slow process. And she would be able to sit in her home with her parents. Her parents would, especially her mom, would like read scripture over her and take care of her. And she identifies that as one of the things that would bring healing. She was able to look out her window. She had the beautiful Santa Fe Mountains nearby her. And she could see the mountains and the flowers growing on it. And God would bring her healing through his beauty and creation. And he connected her with a, a doctor who really helped identify what was going on. There was finally some clarity coming through all this confusion. And she slowly worked with Cassie to bring healing through all of this by the blessing of God. So we're here 20 years later since, I guess it's about 19 years since this really happened. And is my wife fully healed? No. No, she's not. My wife's changed a lot. Um, Her energy is very different. She's not go, 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 do everything you can, overachiever. My wife's mind wants to do that, right? But she's learned that now things have changed. And now she has to be careful. And now she, like, prioritizes things. And there's health things that she has to be careful of. Immune system is lower. There are certain dietary restrictions. Just life has changed. And things continue to heal. But then they continue to go back at times. But what we're not saying is she was fully healed and great. And that's why God gave us the word patience. Again, God does bring full healing to people. But not in this scenario. He said patience. He got her to the point where we felt confident enough we can get married and we'll be able to like sustain a healthy life. And he's continued to bless that over time. And there's been times where it's gotten hard again, but he's continued to be faithful. So what's the point then? So my wife, yeah, 20 years later, life has changed. Like what is the point of her having to go through that? So Matt, if you want to go to the next slide. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but these are the things that are really important to us when we face hardships. This is hard sometimes to digest, but it's really good when you understand it. This first one. Ultimately, we don't need to know. I do believe this is true, that you may never know why certain things happen to you in this life until eternity, right? There will be a day you'll be before the creator and he will be able to bring to light. But there are hardships you're facing now that you may not come to an understanding of why you're facing that hardship. Look at the book of Job. If you know anything about the book of Job, he is being, he's enduring hardship because of what's going on in the spiritual realm, right? It's not anything to do with him, It has to do with the spiritual realm, and he has hardship that he's enduring. And in the end, he's crying out to God, like, what is the point? What have I done wrong? Why are you doing this? In Job 38 through 41, God just shows up and ultimately says, like, you don't need to know. But guess what you can know? I'm a good father. I have everything in control. 
He just goes through point after point after point of I am in control of this. Do you do this? Do you do this? No, I do this. And he's a good father who is in complete control. And when you have a good father, you can trust him. And so even if you never come to an understanding during this lifetime of what is going on, you can have full confidence that he's a good father that you can trust. And that's actually one, one of the biggest takeaways my wife and I think for her scenario is her trust in God grew like crazy during all that. It grew from, I don't even know if a God is real because why would he do this to me? To, I can trust God that if I don't understand what's going on, he's good and he's taking care of me and it's okay. So ultimately, that could be like the final answer that we need, even need to worry about. But thankfully, there are other things that really bring some, some more joy and hope to it too. Um, that first one, though, I really want to highlight, it's a good father. That's, that's the beauty in that. All right, God may end hardship at a later time to show his glory. That We've experienced healings even within our midst, right? In this last year, we've had some things happen where we've seen people heal. God heals. He, we sang it in the song earlier. Like, he's a God that heals. He fully can heal, and he does heal people. And sometimes he chooses to delay the healing to show his glory to those around him. Think about Lazarus. Lazarus, they asked him, Mary and Martha, Jesus, come. Lazarus is sick. I know you can heal him. What does Jesus do? He does not come. He waits. He waits. And he waits. And it says he waited so that God's glory would be shown. And he shows up later after Lazarus died. What do you think Lazarus was thinking during that time? Lazarus and Jesus were friends. And he's sitting there going, hey, send Mary, Martha, go tell Jesus I'm sick. Like, Jesus can heal. And he's sitting there and he's waiting and he's getting sicker and sicker to the point that he passes away. Like, what's going through his head? But God, Jesus, in that moment, chose to delay it so that when he raised Lazarus from the dead, his glory would be known to those around him and to Lazarus. And so sometimes he delays it for his glory. And then in all of this, we can all hold confident to Romans 8.28 and James 1, 2 through 4. Romans 8.28 says, uh, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. If you're a follower of God and you have hard things going on in your life, he says right there, I'm going to work it out for the good. There are good things that will come out of this. Have hope. There is good. And then in James 1, 2 through 4, he says, Blessed are you, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So when we face these hardships, there's also a truth that it is good for us because it matures and completes us. So there's growth in us. There's things that we learn and get better of. And sometimes they can be a blessing in our lives, right? And if we're looking towards God, they often almost always are blessings, even though they're hard, because he produces good and maturity out of it. Okay, we're wrapping up, but I will not wrap up until I get to this point, because this is the thing I just desperately care about. What's our ultimate hope in all of this? Matt, yeah, go to the next one. This is small, so I'll I'll read this. This life is like that. Scripture calls it a vapor. It's a hot breath on a cold day. It comes and goes like that. And if you look back on history and you think about the history of people, like it's really fast, their life. It feels long. 
it feels like enduring takes forever, but it is quick. And here's what I 100% believe, is you will someday be in heaven millions of years from now, however time works in heaven. I don't claim to understand it. Millions of years from now, and you will think back on this life, and you will think that was so fast. And you will have millions of years of memory without the hardship that you're enduring now. Some of you, this, I just know this, like, this is for some of you. 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and live, leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. You will be fully restored in a heavenly body. That's our hope. Revelation 21, one through four says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven out of heaven or coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. There are some of you in our midst that will be literally leaping for joy in heaven in a restored body. You will have the best conversations you've ever had. And people will be joyful to hear your conversations. There will be no sorrow and no questioning and no worry about what the next day looks like. This is our hope. This is the ultimate hope. If nothing else happens, that is our hope because we fully believe that is our eternal destiny. And so the challenge today is let's examine ourselves. In our love for God, are we patient? Do we have the patience with him to endure the hardships and have the joy and the love and the peace that goes with it? So the pinnacle of our gathering always leads to the table where we, where we remember and celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, what I'm going to do is I will invite people to come up there is communion up here on the left, in the right, and in the back. There's gluten-free options available at every spot. And go ahead and come up when you're ready and get the elements and go back to your seat, and then I'll come up and lead us through, and we'll, we'll all take it together. So when you're ready, you can come on up and get the elements.